0: Hey bosses, this week's sponsor is Masterworks.io, the pioneer in blue-chip art investing for everyone. We'll tell you more about them during the break. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast.
1: I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey, bosses, this is Johnny, and welcome to episode 132
0: of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm in Mexico. Sam is on
1: his way to Siberia. Is that, is that where you are? It's, uh, not yet, buddy, but by the time this episode airs, I will be somewhere in the Siberian winter in the middle of Russia, one of your favorite countries, Johnny. Yeah, I've, I've actually never been to Russia, but it's my future favorite country to visit. Yeah. I have a feeling. Well, you've been studying Russian before you actually ever went there. Kudos to you.
0: Oh, uh spa drug. But you swearing
1: f- at me? You swearing at me?
0: <laughs> I think everything in Russian sounds like you're swearing. But it's gonna be funny because I'm gonna be sitting here shirtless on the beach in you know 90, 90 degree weather, you know, thirty something plus Celsius, and you're gonna be in like zero.
1: You're gonna be literally in the snow. You know what I'm 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 packing? What are you packing? I'm taking uh, basically two tracksuits, like the the standard Adidas Russian uh-huh. mobster tracksuits. Uh-huh. And then I ordered I ordered on Amazon two uh, onesies, like a pajama onesie. You just like step in and suit up. Uh, and then I'm going to buy like a, a really sick fur hat when I'm there. And that's me. I'm going across Siberia just like that, like a Russian mobster. That's pretty dope. Uh, I, I would probably suggest bringing a uh, puff jacket as well. It's going to be cold. Yeah, I've heard you can buy that along the the entire way. And I was like, Well maybe I should take a flask. My buddy's like who's done it before, he's like, Dude, you can literally buy vodka like from anybody on the train and from uh, at any stop just like along the side of the road, like people sell petro and stuff. They're like, You'll just see people selling vodka off of little like stands. I'm like, Cool, I guess I don't need a flask.
0: Well, I hope you don't confuse the two because in Thailand the petro and the and the
1: alcohol comes in the same bottles. And it's oft, often sold at the same store right next to each other. Yeah. And it tastes, tastes pretty, pretty similar as well. That's funny.
0: Well, I wish I can, I, I w- I'd be able to join you just for like a few days, but I definitely don't want to be stuck on
1: a train for, what, two weeks, three weeks? Yeah. You know what would be really funny? Our Q4 update photo is going to be hilarious because it's, it's going to be me in the snow in a, in a fur hat, like you said, and you sitting on the beach uh, in Mexico. I love
0: it. I'm still surprised <laughs> that you
1: already own two tracksuits there's a dick sporting good next to me. I went and just, just cleared out their clearance rack, man. I have a bag full of clothes I'm never going to wear again, but, uh, it's perfect. You know, I got, I got like a $20 duffel bag and leaving the microphone at home. So when you guys hear this, I'll be in Siberia, but we're recording it beforehand just so can basically take a month off, uh, not take the microphone and I'll end actually end the trip in Hong Kong where hotels are like, are, are, are like a third the normal price. So I'm going to go there afterwards and just chill out for a week at a okay. five-star hotel.
0: Nice. Yeah, enjoy yourself. And hopefully you'll be enjoying yourself with some businesses running passively and bringing in some income.
1: Let's hope so. Maybe we'll learn a little something from Ace Chapman on this show about how to do it, Johnny.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny? is I, This is something I haven't really thought about that much. I, I've sold a few businesses kind of on the same platforms that ace buys his business businesses so i've been on the kind of the other side and it wasn't until very recently my buddy chris he he's also sold a couple e-commerce stores or dropshipping stores and he's been trying to buy new businesses and he's been very excited and when he came to the vest like a boss summit his like the thing that he was looking forward to most was the acquisition panel and Mm -hmm. it was like it's it actually, it's kind of a no brainer, you know, like buying a business for, let's say, two or three times yearly revenue or or profits. And then you basically get like, as long as nothing goes bad, you you get all your money back in two or three years. Plus, you continue to cash flow every single month you know, during that time and afterwards. And if you want to sell you the business after two or three years, it can potentially be worth even more. And there's very few other businesses or, or investment opportunities where like that's even a
1: possibility. Yeah, and it doesn't just apply to online businesses. I mean, there's there's all these brick and mortar and retail businesses that you can get really really good deals on that most millennials are not thinking about and it's why after 132 episodes we're just starting to just kind of scratch your head and be like maybe there's great opportunity here, maybe we should explore this more.
0: Yeah, definitely. Cuz I mean, we've all heard of people buying and selling you know, houses, you know, they'll buy a house for, let's say, you know, 100 grand or 500 grand. They'll put some money into it, to fix it up. Now it's worth more. Now maybe the monthly cash flow is higher. Then they might flip it in two or three years and make a ton of money. Well, with businesses, it's, it's like a very similar market, I think, but you don't have to worry about the, like the market going up and down because a business is a business. It's, it, it doesn't really matter like what your neighbors are doing, what the economy is doing. And also there's just so much more opportunity, especially if you can just do it online (laughs) through a computer and not have to physically build anything. You know, maybe you don't have to spend much money, like, you know, let's say, you know, running better ads or, um, you know, or, you know, focusing on, on SEO and getting more traffic. These are things that you can add value to a business without actually spending much capital upfront. Unlike a house, which you'll always spend money, like, you know, labor and supplies and and building.
1: So on this episode, guys, we're going to explore buy versus build with Ace Chapman. And I think it's really interesting because so many people today are caught up in this venture capital startup craze. Everyone thinks that that's that's the path to owning a business and being self-employed. You got to start something, and I think you'll hear from Ace that maybe that that is not necessarily a course for everybody. It might, in in most cases, it turns out to be a bad idea. So this is going to be a really good position for everyone to hear ace is extremely experienced as you'll find out on this episode and uh, really excited to have him on the show and and me as well let's bring on ace chapman right now all righty i'm back on the air with ace chapman ace it's great to have you on the show
2: it's great to be here. A big fan of the show. You know, it's, it's done a lot of podcasts, but it's it's awesome to be on the ones that you actually tune in for, have listened to all the episodes. So, really, really cool to be here.
1: Oh man, that's great to hear. Well, first is you know, is Ace Chapman? It's just such a good name. I was telling my buddy that I was having you on the podcast today, and he's like, "That is that his real name? Because that's just too good of a name." <laughs> so, is it I know, your right? real name? I and mean, what what are we doing here?
2: No, man. So my dad was ace. And then when I was born, I was called little ace, uh, which was cool when I was a little kid. But now I'll be, you know, if if I'm ever home back in Tennessee, you know, I've been walking with uh, other folks headed to a meeting, really professional and, and that kind of thing. And I hear somebody yell from the other block, little ace. I'm like, I'm a grown man. You can't still be calling me little Ace. I'm not a, a rapper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Johnny and I are putting together the iLab anthem, which will be uh, probably a hip-hop song. This is pr- something scheduled for maybe 5 years from now when we're uh-huh. uh, when we're when we're really adults. <laughs> but we'll be yeah. sure to feature you in there if you'd like to come do a cameo. Little Ace, I would
2: love I would love to come and do a cameo as Little Ace, so and I can live <laughs> up to the to the name. And it's got to be rap, you know. If, if you're, gotta if you're talking money, you, it's got to be it's rap, man. Be.
1: Yeah, oh, <laughs> man, it'd be good. All right. Well, listen, Ace. I mean, this is uh, it's an honor to have you on. You've got an incredible story. I think a lot of the listeners would love to hear your story. I'm sure you've told it countless times, but. Uh, I think it's an inspiring one and it's a great grounding for for what we'll discuss on this episode, which is buying a business uh, and trying to compare that as a a pros and cons set to starting a new one, which a lot of people do. And I thought it would be just great if you could elaborate a little bit on your story and how you got started in, in the business world.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, I went to college and it was a great school. Uh, and I was actually very excited just to, to, to graduate, go to school, study in political science, you know, president of my class. It was, I, I wasn't one of those folks that's like, man, as soon as I can start a business, I'm leaving college. The other thing that, that, uh, is, is funny to think back is, you know, that was 20 years ago. And uh, it just wasn't cool to drop out of college There weren't the Martin Zuckerberg hadn't come around yet you know people weren't thinking like oh this is a way to success that wasn't a proven path and uh, but I, and I very vividly remember when I did choose to uh, leave school I was dating a girl and she was like I would never date a college dropout it's over and I was like whoa this is pretty intense but <laughs> (laughs) All of that came about because I was using a a SaaS business called Cool Wall Street. It was a stock market simulator, and I was a customer. And, you know, I was – the internet was even kind of a new thing, and and so I was – very enthusiastic about the stock market and loved that, the, that they had this little game that you could pay, play, uh, which was essentially a stock market simulator, but they gave away prizes and, and all of that. Um, and And so that was the first business that I really got into as a as a, a user of the internet, and so I reached out to the owner, because the site was always crashing, there were always issues, reached out to him, and they said, hey, man, do you need help on this? I could intern for you this summer, and and come and help, and he said, ah, I'm actually trying to sell this, I've got another business that's exploding and growing a lot quicker, and I need to, to get rid of this, uh, so... It was uh, not something I feel like I felt like I could buy. It was one of those things where it was like, um, okay, this is interesting. I'm curious what what kind of numbers they're doing. So I'll pretend that I'm uh, interested just so I can see how the business works. So he tells me they're they're trying to sell the business for 70,000. It's making 60,000. And at that point, I had no idea what valuations were, if this made sense. But the thing that I knew was that the college I went to, Colgate University, which now is more expensive, back then it was 30,000, a little more than 30,000 a year. And I had friends that were paying that 120,000 or more of them mm-hmm. going into debt for that 120,000 and excited to get a job that was going to pay them40. And so that was my comparable. You know, to take language from real estate, it's like, okay, I got this cop over here where people are paying one hundred twenty thousand to make thirty or forty, and working a full time job, and I can buy this for seventy, and it makes sixty. This sounds interesting. The only downside was I only had $3,000. So <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter how amazing I thought the deal was. And I didn't have the money. And so I spent like a couple of weeks after that, sleepless nights, like, man, I really want to buy this thing. And eventually went back to the guy and said, hey, can I pay you half of it over time? So that got me 35000 Then I had a buddy that, that did come for money I went to school with. He thought it was interesting and had fifteen thousand. And then for the rest of it, I for for I wonder if this still goes on on college campuses. But mm-hmm. the incredibly predatory uh, activity of sitting on college campuses with T-shirts and all that to get people to sign up for credit cards that was <laughs> that was like the thing on college campuses when back when I was in school. And so you know I, I went, I signed up for a bunch of those. I talked to the guy. I figured. Out how to get like cash advances and made up the difference with a bunch of cash advances
1: wow <laughs> and close the deal wow so so what happens next so you bought the business and were you you were still in college or you just graduated
2: no, I was a sophomore at that point, so okay. I was it was a little bit, and and I'd reached out to the owner to intern for that that summer uh, of my sophomore year. So you know, this is around March, April, and I buy the business, and it, you know, it's making money, and it's it's funny people ask me like, "Man, weren't you so nervous and and um, you know, scared that the business wasn't going to work?" And it's it's interesting because. As a customer, I really understood the business. I I knew where he was lacking. I knew the customer service had been terrible. So I knew that if anything, I could work in the business and grow it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I wasn't as scared about that. and And the thing that I was the most scared about was my parents finding out about the the credit card. So, like every single month, I literally call the credit card company just to remind them not to send anything to my actual address and to send it to the mailing address. That, that I put on on there, so so it came to my school because so they would have absolutely murdered me if they found right. out I put like seventeen thousand dollars for this <laughs> thing on the internet, which was all new, anyways. So as I started making money. I started improving customer service. Um, you know, improving the the uptime of the site. And by the summer, it was it was generating a income. And, you know, just to give you a sense of just the difference in things back then, because the internet, you know, this is 99. So I, I get back in the summer, I'm making, you know, about $5,000 a month, which is for, great for a 19 year old kid. Oh yeah. And my dad is like, You have got to stop playing on the internet. You gotta like get a job this summer. I'm like, Dad, I'm making money on the internet. It's like that isn't real. Like that is real. I'm like, Dad, it is real. And it's I got to the end of the summer and I had some investors that wanted to invest in the business. And I go to my parents and they just didn't understand what it was. I didn't really try to explain much a lot to them. Mm -hmm. But I remember going and and telling them that I had these investors that wanted to invest, but they wanted me to leave school. And, you know, I knew that they wouldn't be happy with that. And I'd gotten a full ride. And so I was like, you know, I just wanted to let you guys know, but, but most likely I'm going to school. And my dad's like, why are these people wanting to invest in this business? It doesn't even make money. It only makes internet money. And I'm like, Dad, it, it's it's like there's no difference. It's internet money. He's like, So you've been making money from this, like real money? And I'm like, Yeah, like I had a check for for twelve grand from DoubleClick. Some mm-hmm. of the old school folks will remember remember DoubleClick from oh, back yeah. in the day. Oh yeah. So uh, I had a twelve grand check. I show him, and he's like, The name of this company is DoubleClick, like what you do on the mouse. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and they just sent you $12,000? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, and even thinking about that, it, it sounds super sketchy. He's like, so this, they just sent a 19-year-old kid twelve grand. i am like, yeah. He's like, you're getting scammed. We got to go to the bank and let them know that you've been depositing these bad checks from a fake company. So we get down to the bank and uh he, he's like my son's being scammed at a uh, little he knows like a half a billion dollar company at that mm-hmm. point and the the lady calls she comes by he's like no everything's legit and you know it's, it's just i remember uh getting in the car with him and he turns to me he's like why are you even thinking about going back to school so that was uh the, the transition into full-time entrepreneurship. you know once I quit school, I knew I had to make it work after that. Uh, I didn't have a, a safety net of a degree or anything to, to fall fall into.
1: So many parallels to my college experience also got started when I was a sophomore had very, very similar conversations with my parents where they thought I was getting scammed. Then when they got over thinking I was getting scammed, they thought I was doing something illegal because it just didn't make sense to them. (laughs) Uh, Good times. So what happens after that, Ace? I mean, actually, fast forward us to today. That was the first business you you bought. How many businesses have you bought uh, in your life since then?
2: Man, um, participated in, you know, me personally, where I have ownership and control um is uh, a little about forty-one businesses, so I'm literally in the middle of doing forty-two and forty-three as we speak. Um, the, the but then I have you know over a hundred that I've invested in with either clients that I'm I'm doing deals with, you know, where I've uh, participated in kind of splitting up companies and, and that kind of thing. So uh, a lot of deals that I've participated in, in a minority sense, but mm-hmm. uh, where I have majority uh, by the end of the year, it'll, it'll be about 43.
1: That is very active, my friend. Very, very active. You've stayed busy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's been, and it, you know, that, that was a big transition for me. Mm-hmm. My, my the thing back, you know, 19 years ago, I saw myself as a entrepreneur because everyone that we look at, uh, that's really successful, Bill Gates, Steve jobs, you know, those are the people we look up to and they took one company, one idea, and they just grew it forever. And so I thought, That was like the path. And, you know, so I was like, cool, Wall Street, I have to take this thing and it's going to be my thing and I'm going to grow it. And it was pretty devastating. Honestly, in 2001, we had the dot com kind of bubble burst and all of our the people that paid us basically went out of business. uh, And eventually we did, too. And, you know, it's like, I don't have a degree. Now this business has failed. I don't know, any, you know, like, what am I going to do? This, <laughs> this is such a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And it took a while for me to realize, oh, like the thing that I do know how to do is go out and buy these businesses. Like maybe there's another business that that I could buy. I had never heard an example of somebody who was just buying uh, businesses. Everything was start a business and and grow it forever. And so I had, I felt like I just looked into buying that, but not that it would, would become a, a career at all.
1: I, I think it's actually really interesting. And we're looking back at the episodes we've done, and we talk a lot about startups uh, and starting your own business. We don't talk enough about buying businesses and we forget that that is often an option. It doesn't have to be a technical startup. Uh, it doesn't have to be a billion dollar company there's there's great ways to be self-employed and create your dreams by buying businesses yeah. instead of starting them and i know you're obviously a proponent of doing it that way buying versus yeah. building you know what when people ask you for your advice or your opinion on this what do you typically say how do you how do you weigh the two options
2: I, I think it's just really interesting. You know, it's it's been interesting for a for a long time. It is really cool uh, to see a lot more people even talking about this as a as a concept. Because the first thing, you know, my next deal after I realized that I could buy maybe go buy another business, I gotten a job at a mortgage company. I learned how to do mortgages. You know, so I've worked for a another company which was a bank for six months. You know, out of my whole. Uh, adult or whole life. I've, I've only had a job for, for, for six months. And I realized like, hey, I've, I now know how to do mortgages. Maybe I can go buy a mortgage company. And I found one and, and closed that deal. And I remember thinking, I have to keep this so quiet. Because if people realize that they can go buy income Instead of having to trade their life and time for the income, or taking the risk of starting a business, everybody's going to do it. Mm -hmm. And then eight years later, you know, I'm kind of screaming from the rooftop about this, and realize like, oh no, nobody's nobody's going to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, but it is cool to see more people talking about it um, now. But the the shift for me was realizing that, man, like everywhere else in our life, we Want to buy things once they're done, once they're built. You know, if we want a car we don't try to go and learn how to build a car and then start to save up for the parts and say, oh, I'm going to save money by building my own car. We don't do that. And, and, you know, even when it comes to houses, there's a tiny, tiny percent of people that do build houses. And for the great majority of them, they say they will never do it again once they've mm. done it once. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny that the one place, which is way more complicated, at least with a house or a car, if you follow the instructions, it's going to work. But when we come to a business, which you could follow exact instructions and it's still extremely risky, you know, if like if if there was a risk it every year, half of the cars that were built were just not going to run at all. <laughs> Nothing was going to function on them. Not <laughs> would be like, hey, we got to fix this car problem. But people are starting business and 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 doing that from scratch when there there's literally nothing else in their life that they want to get from scratch i don't i barely cook from scratch uh we want to buy things that are already built and and done and so that was one of those those shifts for me that it was like okay like it, this makes a, a lot of a lot of sense
1: uh, is so true it's almost like a little aha moment that i just had thinking about that it, it just makes so much sense but for some reason so many people are drawn to trying to create a business uh maybe it's the media maybe because it just it's sexy and and this is the stories that you hear about but in practicality does it make sense ah don't know i'm looking forward to hearing yeah. more from you ace what uh you know what what kind of categories of businesses do you buy so you said you've you've personally bought 41 that you own or operate yourself. Give us an idea of what a breakdown of some of those might be.
2: So I, I loved offline businesses, especially after the inter- my first internet business uh, mm. failed. It's like, oh my goodness, this internet thing. I, I never want to do that again. <laughs> so after that, uh, I bought a mortgage company, ended up buying uh, a, another business that was in the real estate space, which those businesses were complimentary. I did a roll up of several tanning salons. Uh, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, I, I am, a black guy. And the first time I ever walked into a tanning salon in my life, I bought it. So that was a a cool transaction. It led to me buying five other tanning
1: salons. Uh, Did you you buy it? Did you buy it after you tried it or you just... You just liked it. <laughs> no, I didn't.
2: I didn't. I, I never got into a bed. The lady was trying to convince me like, oh, you should like get in a bed. I'm like, I'm a little bit claustrophobic. Like I just don't like this thing. But it's funny. I, I just went by the, the lady was very motivated to sell. And I'm thinking like, there's no way I'm going to buy this thing. But let me go check it out. And mm. I love looking at businesses because every time you go to a successful business and learn from an entrepreneur who has gone through what I call the entrepreneur. Entrepreneur gauntlet, and they made it to actually made it to the other end against all the odds. You can learn a lot. So I go and I meet with this lady. And while there are a lot of entrepreneurs that are kind of cutting edge, I realized that wow, she's like succeeding in spite of herself you know i walk in i'm asking about how they sell the lotions and that kind of thing and she's like i never want to try to i tell the the employees we're not here to sell anything we want them to if they say they want to buy the lotion we sell it to them but we're not trying to convince them to buy the lotions. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I, I read a little bit about it. I'm like, that's a big source of how these things make money, I think. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, we go through the tour, I'm learning how it works. And then we get to uh, the, the front desk. I'm like, so, uh, to, you know, learn about the database. And she's like, yeah, we have like 12,000, it may have been 17, 12 or 17,000 people in our, in our database. And, you know, I'm like, oh, what information do you have? It's like, oh, we got, like, addresses, we got phone numbers, we got emails. I'm like, wow, that's great. Like, how often do you contact them? And she's like, oh, I would never contact them. I don't want to, you know, invade their privacy or whatever. I don't want to, like, reach out to them um, because that's annoying, you know. I'm like, okay, like, I get it. You don't want to do that often. But, like, when was the last time you did? She was like, never. I would never do that. Hmm. And I literally – Made her offer right then. I sat down on her computer, wrote up the contract. was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to buy this thing. There's a lot of upside here. So that was the first uh, tanning salon and, and how I ended up doing that. So I owned five of them and never uh, – and actually did a deal on a sixth one where we took the the equipment and and sold that to the people I sold the, the five to. Hmm. Uh, yeah, just it, it was – I never ended up getting into bed.
1: <laughs> All right. All right. Not yet. Maybe there's a future there still. Just before yeah, some yeah. Uh, tropical vacation, <laughs> mm-hmm. so so yeah, sun, sun, sun sun tanning salons that checks one box. What else? What other type of, of uh, categories of companies or businesses have you bought?
2: Yeah, so um, retail. So those are a lot of the offline deals, um, and now we do a lot of things. You know, the, I talk, I mentioned two deals we're closing right now. We mm-hmm. have one that is in the home. Uh, space and then another that is in the animation space mm-hmm. uh, that we're closing right now. We've done everything from like a political blog to a lot of SaaS businesses, a lot of uh, FBA, several FBA, some e-commerce deals, every t- t- business model online probably that you can you can think of uh, down to services. How about, so, how about
1: how about offline? Have you done anything like with restaurants or I don't car washes, think of laundry mats, things like that.
2: Yeah, so we did one uh deal on the subway.
1: <laughs> on the subway. An,
2: yeah, subway franchise. So this was an interesting one because the uh the guy had gotten in trouble for some racial mm-hmm. remarks. Mm-hmm. And uh he owned a, a lot of subways. So he came to us and was just like, Hey, I need to get rid of this thing. It's in a black neighborhood. And now black people hate me. (laughs) So they're like like boycotting the the restaurant. And so um, I just got a really great deal. And then that led to four Subway franchises, the last of which sold last year.
1: That's being at the right place at the right time. Exactly, man. Exactly. That's really interesting. So it seems like, so would you have a preference to online versus offline?
2: So for the last um, 10 years, I've felt like uh, online was the way to go. I mean, you know, when I was first buying I mean, even my first deal, it was basically a one multiple deal. Um, so most of the things I was buying even 10 years ago was one multiple or less. You know, it, it's funny. The the way that they used to do the earnings and, and uh, even uh, Empire Flippers, shout out to Empire guys, mm-hmm. uh, they still do it as monthly. You know, it's like, OK, it's going to be a 36 multiple. And where that comes from is because back in the day, you could get things at like a six or seven multiple. And that was month monthly. That means like you're going to get 100 percent of the earnings from that deal back in six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously it's gone up. And, and now we're getting to a point where it's leveled out because offline businesses, there's still a ton of pressure on the prices because there's more uh, inventory. There's a ton of baby boomers that are selling. There are, in, in addition to there being more inventory, there's now this whole new competition with internet businesses uh, being on the market as well. And you're not really dealing with that many more buyers. So with offline businesses, there's a, a ton of, of opportunities to get really great deals. And it's just pros and cons. I mean, the pros mm-hmm. on the online side is the fact that it is as close to a asset like a stock as, as you can get in the private equity space. Because like a uh, financial instrument, anybody on earth can buy it and you can transfer it to them. Uh, and in addition to that, it, you don't need a lot of different skills. Like for each of the businesses that I own offline, there was a lot of different skills that, that were needed. So if you have a restaurant, it, it's going to be way different than a mortgage company. The funny thing with the internet business is that a lot of skill sets are, are the same. Like if you, if you need traffic, it's not a lot of different places that you're going to go outside of SEO Facebook ads, Google ads, and then you st- you start getting low once you get into being an Instagram. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not a ton of different skill sets uh, that that you need, or at the very least, you know, you can leverage those skill sets. I have a, a client right now that got a no money down deal because he's amazing at Facebook ads, and uh, just basically didn't show them the campaign, but just said, hey, let me show you what I can do, mm-hmm. and Killed it on a uh, in a couple weeks on a um, on a trial kind of basis and came back, and said, hey, I can give you a little uh, upside in it in this if you'll give me a great deal. And, you know, they're like, hey, like, we don't know how to do whatever you just did. And, and, you know, it ends up with a, a, a cool opportunity. So those those skill sets, you know, they're the business that they're in, he knows nothing about. But he yeah. has one skill set that he's perfected that now he can take to any deal.
0: Hey, bosses. I want to tell you about this week's sponsor, Masterworks.io. Masterworks is the pioneer in securitizing blue-chip art to make this $1.7 trillion asset class investable by both accredited and non-accredited investors. While the S&P 500 declined by 5.1% last year, the art market returned a whopping 10.6%, and this was called the top-performing asset class of 2018 by the Wall Street Journal. Their founder, Scott Lynn, wanted to create a way for everyone to invest in great multi-million dollar paintings. Now anyone can be part of Warhol, Monet, or Picasso. To learn more or to join the exclusive community of blue-chip art investors, go to masterworks.io. Make sure you enter Invest Like a Boss in the How You Heard About Masterworks section to skip the wait list.
1: It's really interesting what you said about offline businesses with some of the dynamics that are happening. They're putting downward pressure on the pricing baby boomer selling, I would imagine that there's a lot of room for improvements with an offline business because I would think that the people that have been running these businesses are not as savvy with internet marketing and and maybe mo- more modern ways of marketing. So if, say, buy a car wash, there's less people now, say millennials, that want to start a car wash and probably that want to buy it and operate a car wash. They'd rather have some type of online e-commerce store. But if you can get a good deal on that, I would imagine that you, most people could go in with with more marketing knowledge than the current owners. Maybe that's a little <laughs> bias, um, but I would think there's some really good opportunities to buy offline businesses right now and to be able to to market them and dress them up a little bit more proficiently. Is that is that something that you're kind of seeing an opportunity in as well?
2: Yeah, that that's definitely always been the case, you know, hearkening back to that story of, of the... Uh, Of the tanning slide. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't imagine an internet business that has 17,000 people in a list (laughs) and they're just like, ah, I don't want to bother them with an email. (laughs) So true. Uh, It's just crazy. So some of the things that happen offline. Uh, the uh, in these businesses are just so unreal. The other thing is that, uh, you know, I talked about the benefits of uh, of the internet businesses, but some of the things, some of the benefits on the offline business is you can get, you know, the the last offline deal I did, the business was older than me. You know, now it's forty years old. So. If you in that case, the brand equity that this thing had, like it was cool to own a business that anybody in town, if I said the name, they know exactly where the location is. They know what's sold. They know the hours. They know everything about this business because that business had been around for just so long. You can't buy to to it. And people don't. Quantify that brand equity mm-hmm. so that that you're getting basically as a bonus because you're still buying it uh, as a multiple of deal and that's a lot of what I focus on is what are the when we're buying another business I, I tell I just had this talk with with some folks uh, that are in a, I'm in the deal with uh, yesterday it's like I don't ever want to spend money on marketing I want to if I need to spend money on marketing, I definitely don't want to give it to Facebook. And then I'm basically renting their audience and I got to come back and rent it again. I want to buy a profitable business that has the audience that I need and then be able to go after those folks. And with these businesses, there's so many assets like that, that aren't being leveraged, that creative minds can go in and, and do. So I end up doing a lot of like consulting for equity type deals where I don't even necessarily want to take on all, all, all the headache of running the business. Just help, let me come in and and improve it. So you have those opportunities in addition to the fact that there are so many more ways to finance an an uh, offline business. You know, I've had this little thing process we go to where we go through hundred and one different types of financing that is available for offline businesses, and you start combining those, and it just becomes very easy uh, when you're creatively structuring a deal to create a transaction where you're not having to to put up uh, a, a lot of money, and gives you a great uh, ROI with, with that with that leverage. So uh, those those kinds of things make those make that a a big opportunity to to pay attention to, because if you're looking at a three Multiple deal. I saw a deal the other day that was like a four x business, and on the uh, which is an internet based business four x being and on
1: revenue or, or on on earnings on earnings on okay. earnings. And then
2: you can go to an offline business and buy it at two x. What that does is it limits the amount of risk that you have because you're going to get all your money off the table in two years, when you're buying something at a three or four X, all of a sudden you're increasing your risk. And when that business is the internet business, we know the internet changes. Google mm-hmm. algorithms change. We've had, we had uh, a business that was, was hugely affected by, because it was in the pop political space and Facebook had all this political stuff going on. Uh, and so we were, were kind of caught up in that. So with, with th- 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 those kind of changes every day that you if you've got 365 days, every one of those days, something could change that completely changes your business. And, and that risk doesn't exist with the offline deals. Right. So I, one of the things that I tell people is you don't have to be there running the business in order for this to work. You know, I've got one buddy that has a deal. That is a locksmith and, you know, he's traveling the world. The calls are, are, are basically sent to him and he can run this business and he has a van and they go out and they, you know, open up doors and, and do all that back back where he owns the business. So that creates the the freedom but you still have this kind
1: of offline opportunity so you mentioned financing this one's interesting to me for we we actually we missed you out at the summit ace you missed a flight from bogota Mm -hmm. what's up with that man
2: i know (laughs) man it was so painful i'm sitting on the runway on the flight from medellin to bogota and you know it's like all right, 30 minutes. I got 30 minutes when I land. You know, when you start just calculating, you're like, okay, when I land, I'm supposed to have two hours. Yeah, flight was late. I got like an hour and then it's like 30 minutes. And then you realize like, yeah, I'm not so even going to be there before the other fight leaves. <laughs> it's so painful.
1: Yeah. Uh, for for the listeners, uh, Ace was going to come out to the summit that we had, uh, the Invest Like a Ball Summit we had a few weeks back in Los Angeles, but he missed his flight. We're looking forward to having you on a, a panel about buying and selling businesses. But there was actually a lot of questions about how to fund and finance businesses that don't fall into the venture capital profile. Uh, and a yeah. lot of the people there were from San Francisco, LA. They're in the, the venture capital uh, industry or, or, or financed their company through venture capital. And it just seems like there's a massive gap or, or just... A lack of knowledge on how to finance a business that's not shooting for the stars this doesn't want to become a billion dollar enterprise people want to build something generate cash flow uh or maybe scale it up to you know 10 15 million dollar business but again that doesn't really fit the venture capital appetite so what are some of these financing options that that would be available for these businesses i think a lot of people are familiar with how to finance a house by getting a mortgage but when it comes to business it it's elusive in yeah. a sense
2: yeah. So, you know, uh, it's it really, there's so many that it's a cool thing to uh, start to break down uh, things that are, are more interesting. I mean, obviously we do a lot with raising capital from investors and that kind of thing. But going back to my first mentor that really, he, he had a huge impact on the way I see deals and the way I see the world. Uh, but he was somebody who buys and, and sells uh, or basically flips hospitals. And it didn't come from money, anything like that. The very first hospital that, uh, that he bought was a, uh, uh, one that was in a lot of trouble. And he went to doctors that were already in the hospital. And he's like, hey, this thing is going to go bankrupt. I think that I can save it wouldn't you rather be an owner in the hospital that you work at as opposed to, um, you know, just like renting or and that kind of thing and being an employee? Uh, so he basically got the people who had the most interest in this hospital continuing and being successful to help fund it. So we duplicated that in a deal for a car dealership. Um, so the, the guy was buying a, a car dealership and uh, had like a portion of it where it was Porsches and they had Audis. And he was a big Porsche enthusiast and was a part of a club where everybody owned Porsches. And he went to the to the, the group and they said, hey, we can own this. Uh, we can end up owning this dealership, and what I'm going to do is allow you guys, any investor, to lease the cars at cost, and you can get a new car, new Porsche every year. Uh, so not only do you get a return, but now you're getting these super discounted cars, uh, and you know th- that kind of you're you're going to kind of the affinity group for mm-hmm. the financing. So it's a it's kind of a more creative way to, creative. to put together yeah. put together the deals. So another strategy is, you know, we did a deal on a uh, oil change place where the owner of the business had a and this is the importance. When I'm talking about me going and talking to the tanning salon with uh, 99.9%, sure of the fact that I was not going to buy it because, like, what, like, what black guy's going to own a tanning salon? But I wanted to <laughs> learn about that business. And so I'm always really pushing clients towards that. So this guy wanted to buy something in, in uh oil change, Yeah, he was a mechanic, that kind of thing. So we talked to. A oil change place, and and it was uh, too expensive, and you know wasn't his budget. He's like, I don't know if I want to talk to these guys. But we talked to him, and one of the things on the call, the guy was bragging about the this deal that Babylon had at the time, where if you. You committed to only do Vaveline oil, then they would buy a bunch of equipment, fix up the place, and and do it at a very low cost. Mm. Uh, Not even a low cost. It was free as long as you sold a minimum of uh, a certain minimum of Vaveline each month. So we come across this other uh, deal that was super cheap and it was a franchise. Man, I can almost see the sign. I can't remember the name of the franchise, but uh, it's the yellow one. God, what is the name of that thing? Anyways, it, it's a franchise. And the, the owner was an older guy. Um, my guy went and went to the location. It was like, ah, oh, it's super dirty. The bathroom is nasty. He uh, just would, had run this thing into the ground. And the equipment was old. And we found out, as we talked to the owner, that the franchisor was going to take his franchise. So they're going to take the franchise back because he wasn't meeting the minimum standards with the equipment. So he was like out of compliance so the franchise can take your your franchise if you do that. So he's like, y'all all have to come in and make this investment. The, uh, the uh, equipment's 10 years old. It's gotta be updated every 10 years. I don't wanna do it. I'm out. Well, because we had that conversation before, we knew that we could basically get, based on his volumes, we could get the equipment for free. So end up with a, a amazing structure amazing structural deal, not paying him anything essentially until we start making money, uh, and getting the equipment for free and being able to keep the franchise. So it's like those kind that the financing from that, because he's like he's looking at it as you've got to put two hundred fifty thousand down. So we're like, hey, we gotta buy this equipment. We're not gonna give you any money up front. Mm-hmm. Uh but Then on the back end, we've got a place to go and get that equipment for free. So it's that kind of out of the box thinking, and it's always tough to say, "Oh, this is how you finance." And this is the tough thing with this. Um, Uh, You know, it's the same thing. With
1: go ahead. No, I've heard that very similar to what you mentioned with the oil. I've heard that in coffee franchises or coffee stores, Mm -hmm. where sometimes these coffee machines can cost like ten grand. A lot of people opening a coffee shop can't fork out ten grand to buy a nice coffee machine coffee maker so i, I guess a lot of the coffee nice coffee machine companies will extend that to them for free so long as that uh, that manager or owner buys the coffee beans through them for mm-hmm. you know for a, a multi-year contract i guess that's it's comparable it's I like love equipment it. financing in a sense
2: Yeah, uh, I love it. And that's it's like you're doing the equipment financing, but you're getting the the business in exchange for that. Such Mm -hmm. a a neat thing. So there are just all of these cool ways to pull together deals. And, you know, I, I never do two deals exactly the same. Uh, which is why well, it's just, it's just like the entrepreneurial muscle where, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to be able to look at the deal and see the opportunity. I always say, you know, this is an art, not a science. You can't, you know, go about it in a, in a scientific way. You've got to have a little bit of creativity and, and art with it.
1: So people that aren't thinking as creatively about the financing side, where do most people start? If you're going to go buy a restaurant or a bar or a car wash, is it really kind of I've never done it. So I'm I'm assuming it's either some form of seller financing or it's some type of small uh small business loan.
2: Uh where are they gonna go to do to to get financing? To,
1: yeah, like initially if they're not thinking as creatively as you have oh, gotcha. put deals together, and where would people just kind of start?
2: Yeah. The easiest is SBA.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh so that's what most people do. Uh I've had one no, I've had two SBA deals um, in, in my life. And, and, you know, it's, it's easy to, it's easier to get those than uh, a lot of other types of financing. And it finances the whole purchase of the business and they love doing those deals. The reason that I don't uh, like it and I try to push clients a little bit away from it is that you know we're still in business, and these things are risky. And an SBA loan, what they do—the reason they offer this so easily—is they literally put a lien against your life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they have a lien against your house. They have a lien against your car, any cars you have. They have a lien against any of obviously all the assets in the business. They have a lien against your bank accounts, any stock market. I mean, they—they're going to come after you until they get their money. Uh, and I like to structure deals, you know, where it's like, hey. The reason I'm buying this is because, the, you know, you, the seller, is is saying that it is what it is. So you need to have a vested interest. You know, it has these assets there. And so, you know, I want to go and get financing on those, which is separate. I, I think, you know, again, with a little bit of creativity, it's it's easy to, to make the deal work without something like that. But for the person that's like, hey, I just want a cookie cutter I just want to put in, you know, I want a mortgage. Basically, I want to go put in an application and it's like anything in life. The easier somebody makes something for you, the the tougher it is on the back end. So it's easier mm-hmm. on the front end, but <laughs> it's right. tough on the back end.
1: Ace, hey, so have you read the book Snowball? It's, uh, it's a, I think it's a biography of Buffett basically.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So in, in that they talk about how he used to buy these, these, uh, what they called, uh, arcade games, the, Coin the flicker games, you know I'm talking about pinball machines. Mm-hmm. Pinball, pinball machines. machines yeah. he used to buy these pinball machines, and he would use the cash flow from the pinball machines to acquire new pinball machines. And in that case, he was able to develop this big portfolio of pinball machines. And that's kind of the, the, the concept behind Snowball, as I know you know. You know, it seems like you've applied this same practice to building your portfolio. Is this something that you think about? and 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 strategize around or has it just sort of happened that way
2: originally it was something that um i i kind of started seeing Mm -hmm. and you know one of my things early on which was a big shift for me uh that you know came from my mentor is like hey but don't buy any, you don't want to buy expenses or spend money from money that you worked, had to work for. So you want to go, you want to buy something that's going to create money, and then you want to go spend that. And it's actually how I ended up building a a bit of a real estate portfolio is I wanted a Mercedes because I was young and dumb. And so I'm like, okay, like I want this Mercedes. I'm going to go buy this quadplex and then that's going to pay my Mercedes payment. (laughs) So at first it was this thing of, oh, I'm going to buy this and then I'm going to spend that money, which is, it's way, way better Mm -hmm. than just spending the money up front. The shift after that was, okay, like, you know, I really, after I had some businesses, I you know, I had several things, I wanted to, I started investing that money. And I'm like, man, the return that I'm receiving is bismal, like I'm just not getting a good return. I Mm. was used to, and even in real estate, like I'm like, okay, this thing itself isn't giving me a good enough return, you know, after expenses and maintenance and repairs and, and all of that. Uh, compared to my businesses because the the, the, the uh, real estate is going to pay for itself over the course of 15 years and I was used to buying businesses that were going to pay for themselves, you know, in case of my first do in one year, <laughs> so it's like I, I need to pay these things off a little bit quicker. Or what's going on? What can I do here? Uh, so that was the the realization of all right. Let me take this cash flow that I'm making and then buy more of these businesses. And and it's the same thing. It creates that snowball effect where you you buy a business, you um, start to make some cash flow. You know, you're saving that up. You put it with some some savings, and you buy the next business. Now you have two of them that are generating that cash flow, and you know you you, you can buy the next one even quicker, and then the next one, and and eventually it really does become a problem. I was at the Warren Buffett meeting this year, mm-hmm. and guess what? The biggest problem that was on everybody's mind was how are we going to spend this $100 billion? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like where should we invest this? How can we invest this $100 Because the money's coming in so fast and the $100 billion is growing. And, you know, it's like, we got to come up with, with what we're going to do with, with all of this income that's coming in and it becomes tough to get it, get it reinvested. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a, a very minuscule version of that, you know, for me, I don't really want to buy much larger businesses than the ones I'm doing right now because I can buy things at that three multiple. Once I get bigger, then I got to buy it at a six, seven, eight multiple, and so it becomes, you know, like my my whole mission is like, okay, where do I get where do I get the cash flow that's coming in into the next uh, uh, three mm-hmm. multiple
1: deal? I've heard you say before that it's not about. Dying with the most money in the bank. It's about building the lifestyle and developing the lifestyle that you want and, and how business and money plays a part of that, which I think is well pointed. You know, how do you think about that now with, with where you want to be and how you set up your lifestyle
2: yeah, I had to learn that the hard way. Uh, uh, you know, at first my mission was like have the most money. <laughs> you know, like I want to just be super rich. Not even like a specific amount of money. I just like I just want to have a lot. And then you know I had this whole uh, point in my life where I was buying things that were the things that you were supposed to buy. You know, it's like. Uh, you know, if you're a, a successful business guy, like you gotta have the big house. And so, you know, I got this big house that made no sense. It was just me. I didn't have a family or anything like that. You
1: know, you got and have one 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 tanning one tanning stall in <laughs> one, in one room. Bed. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's like anybody coming tan for free at Aces. <laughs> so. You got to have the cool cars. So, my first one was like, I mentioned the Mercedes, and I'm like, ah, now I want like an Audi RX, and now I want, I, I got to have a truck too. Like, I can't not have a truck. So, before I know it, I got like five cars for just no reason. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just long story short, ended up with a lot of stress, went to the doctor. He basically prescribed a vacation. He's like, there's nothing I could do uh, for you. I was getting these hives. And Which is, you know, when you're trying to date, man, mm-hmm. uh, you're single, you're, you're out there on the dating market. You can't just have hives popping up on your face, dude. It, any, it's any, any type of skin
1: like, irritation is not a good thing for dating.
2: It's not. I'm <laughs> like, what is going on with your face? So uh, I had to fix that. And uh, But I, I realized, like, okay, I got to change my lifestyle. I got to figure out, you know, how can I decrease the stress? And, and, you know, even just realize, like, okay, part of the stress is like, rehabbing this this big house that I don't even really care about, like worrying mm-hmm. about oil changes on cars and repairs and well, things that I don't need. And, you know, just cutting down on, on all that chatter and everybody's going to have a different lifestyle of what they want. But when I got very clear with what I wanted, uh, it shifted my whole business, you know, sold a, a bunch of the, the other things and, and started buying specific types of businesses. Uh, and, and the, the biggest shift for me was, okay, I've got to move to what I, uh, you know, what I, and Robert Kiyosaki calls the I quadrant. So mm-hmm. the thing that's always been interesting to me is that, you know, everybody loves that, but, and, and, and gets really focused on, okay, I'm going to go from employee to the S quadrant and be self-employed. And then eventually I'm going to become a B and that's where everybody stops. And, and that's why I love what you guys are doing with this podcast. It's, it's just, it's so important. It's such a big deal because nobody's really talking about, okay, let's move to the I, the goal is I, but if you, if nobody's really taught bringing that to the forefront and, and, and making that front of mind and giving strategies and talking about how do we move to that I quadrant and be the investor, you know, I, I call it the financier because you're, you're, you're thinking creatively about how, where to put your money and, and generate the, the best returns. That is the, the real goal. And I, you know, in addition to people not talking about buying and selling a business, I think that's one of the things that we do a disservice to people. It's like, Oh, the goal is, being a successful business owner. It's like, no, like that's not the goal. The goal is to get to the I quadrant and be the investor.
1: And then being the investor, you can invest in things that you can be hands-on with, or you can invest in things that are completely passive and do, you know, basically design your life for uh, in yeah. and around that. And where do you, wh- where do you fit right now? Where are you in, in that quadrant? What is B by the way, businessman, businesswoman, business, business yeah. you're a business so you can be self employed yeah. then you can be the business then you can be the goals to get to the eye to the investor
2: yeah yeah um, so I, I definitely, I, I don't run any businesses directly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm an advisor to a lot of businesses and, and I enjoy it. You know, I get to come up with creative ideas or I own a, a, we bought a business in the art space and it's been so cool because I don't know anything about art. Like I'm not sophisticated like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's been cool learning about art and like coming up with some creative ideas. I love what we're doing in, in that business. Um, so I can be an advisor and, and provide support and connections and the right joint venture partners, all that stuff uh, as an advisor in the deal. And and then I, I, I do a lot of other things that are just strictly investments. I do a lot of lending, uh, which is, is one of my favorite things to do if I if I'm not investing in a in a deal um, or just in you know acting as a pure in minority investor as well.
1: Do you have boring stuff like index funds or CDs, anything of this nature that are just kind of easy and totally yeah. passive?
2: Yeah, so I have an account with Marcus that I, I, you know, have some funds in. Uh, I do some, um, I just, you know, obviously I have retirement. I got mainly index in that. Uh, I have some bonds. I'm a big fan of of bonds. Uh, So all of that stuff is just on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Like I don't necessarily have to think about that. And then, you know, the other things I do get a little more aggressive in. So uh, you know, I, I bought and t- I bought a uh, invested in a barter company, which is kind of this effort to diversify because uh, it's its own currency, <laughs> right. which uh, has has been a really cool. There's just a lot of neat strategies to leverage uh, a barter currency uh, against the dollar and kind of interact between those to get things done in the businesses we huh. own. So that that's been neat. All uh, so just just constantly expanding
1: yeah I was thinking about this building up this episode it seems like you'll never run into a millennial that would call themselves a businessman or a businesswoman but it seems Mm. like our parents generation that there was no such thing as entrepreneur it was only hey he's a businessman she's a businesswoman now it seems like everybody is an entrepreneur and I don't know if the terminology is just getting confused uh, or if if people really want to be that kind of startup creative, but what do you consider yourself? Do you see yourself as entrepreneur businessman or or and how do, how would you distinguish the two
2: yeah i am definitely an investor you know mm-hmm. i I spend more time investing than anything else. I am one hundred percent not an entrepreneur uh, mm-hmm. i I literally have never started a business from scratch, so you know, definitely not anything, you know, even if it was, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to play around with this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the, the closest thing I could say to start something is, is a consulting uh, that, that I just do. But yeah, so I, I wouldn't consider myself, and, and actually, I'd correct people because, hey, I have a lot of respect for the entrepreneur. Number one, they're creating the product that I want to buy. Uh, so I want them to be, entre, entre, I want there to be as many entrepreneurs, I want there to be as many business owners out there. But the truth is, it's just very risky. Um, you know, when you look at who's making money, the one of the more interesting things to me is the fact that, you know, we go to any city on the planet Earth and we look at the biggest business, big, biggest buildings in that city. And at the top, we're going to see a sign for a bank. There's going to be a bunch of them and all of them are going to be banks but instead of trying to figure out okay how are they consistently making so much money we see somebody on instagram that's not making nearly that much money and we're like, oh, I'm going to see what this guy's doing.
1: <laughs>
2: so <laughs> what, what I try to do is I want to see what the institutions, you know, like what were the institutions that are making the most money? And then let me follow those strategies because if I can just make a percent of a percent of a percent of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. So I want to see, you know, like what are the strategies that. Goldman Sachs uses, you know, how are investment banks? And, and it's interesting because it's kind of an upstream uh, mentality. I, I look at the entrepreneurs like the, the lowest level. And, and then you've got business owners. And, and then you have these, uh, you know, kind of financiers where you have banks and, and investment banks. And it, these people are just creating the product that, uh, you know, they look and see who the winner is. And then the investment bank turns that into their into their product that they're going to be able to sell. So they turn it into the stock. They turn it into the bond. And then they go out and, and, and they make money. So I, I still it's funny because it's almost like a bunch of employees. Like we're just working in a lot of lot more ways than that. Mm-hmm. We're all working for the banks and investment banks. Uh, so that's that's who I want to be. I oh, want to be, sense. you know, this quasi quasi investment banker. And let all the entrepreneurs and business owners th- and the people who that that is their dream, just like there's somebody who is their dream to, to be the employee in the right job. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to deal with the complexities and, and all that of uh, being in investment banking or anything like that.
1: Hey, it's just in closing. I know a lot of people out there thinking, how do I get in this game? How, how can I buy a business? Uh, and I know you've helped a lot of people out there buy businesses exactly in the ways that you've been talking about. Someone comes to you with 50 grand, 100 grand says, Ace, I just, I know I want to be self-employed. I want to own my own business. I have some capital, access to capital, get this done. I don't know what I want to do. Where would you start with them? How, what questions would you ask them to figure out what type of business they would be best suited for and that would also suit their lifestyle and goals?
2: So the, the I think the goal thing is important. Um, You know, like what long term are you looking to get? Like, what's what's the lifestyle that you want to live? Because there are a lot of people that own or buy businesses and they get into the business and they realize this is a nightmare. I need to, and we've bought some of those businesses. We've got to <laughs> great deals. because Somebody buys something and they realize, Oh no, this isn't the right, right thing. So the thing that we do that is a lot different. And I think this is the only way to really know before you make a commitment like that. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. It's so funny going back to the car example. It's like people do not, um, uh, buy a car, just like walking around, looking at it, asking the owner about it, you know, like tell me more about it, give me some info, give me the car facts, and then they sign on the dotted line, buy it, and then for the first time they drive it. Mm-hmm. That's what most people are doing in the in the business space. And you're talking about instead of just a fifty thousand dollar transaction, you're talking about something where it's in a lot of cases they're freaking life savings. So what happens is the person has has kind of taken a look at the business and unlike what everyone would do with a car, which is take it for a test drive, they end up in a deal after they've looked at financials, after they've kind of talked to the seller, they've learned a little bit. They're they running a business that they at that point don't know much about. They haven't taken they haven't taken it for that test drive. So that's what we want to focus on. We want to put people in a situation where they are taking a business that's like the business they're going to buy for a for a test drive. And you know, fortunately, with over thirty businesses in the portfolio, we have a lot of businesses that 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 we kind of partner with people on, uh, or we go out and we buy deals and, and allow them to uh, participate in that in that. That business. So when they're talking to that seller, they're coming at it at the same level of expertise that that seller has, which helps with the, the uh, deal structure. It helps with uh, them being able to be successful in, in running the business. And, you know, it decreases the fact that you're going to get in and from a lifestyle perspective or just an interest level, you're not going to be in a situation where you get into that deal and you realize, wow, this is not what I expected.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Well, this is super helpful material and insights. It's a, it's definitely something that I don't think we've looked at enough and thought about enough. We talk a lot about investing. We talk a lot about startups. And then there's this really interesting route of buying an existing business and letting the entrepreneurs do the work. And then you go in and buy something that's up and running. Maybe the entrepreneurs now burn out and wants to change things up. And there's a nice cash flowing business that can be acquired, optimized, taken to the next level cash flowed and or flipped. Uh, Ace, you're a super inspiring guy. Thanks for coming on the show. Is there is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with before we we wrap this episode up?
2: So no, really great conversation, Sam. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, people who want to reach out to me can, can come check out the website, acechapman.com or reach out to me on Instagram, ace.chapman. I also have a lot of free info on YouTube if you search Ace
1: Chapman as well. You're the man. We'll leave links to everything in the show notes. Ace, thanks again for coming on.
0: Boom! Little Ace has now become Income Ace,
1: and hopefully we will too. Yeah, Big Ace, Big Johnny FD. Such a good name. Still such a big buying business. Yeah, yeah, it is.
0: Man, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm excited. Like this, I haven't been this excited about a new type of investment and in, i don't know how many episodes i mean I, I remember the first let's say 10 or 20 episodes at the end of it i would say like you know surprise i've invested this is the first time where i've like actually went through the process of, of starting you know and I, I think it's gonna be a long process and obviously I'm, I'm not gonna just buy into it without vetting it first and looking at the terms but this is the first time i've taken even that first action of just saying all
1: right you know i'm gonna and I, I put in my name and email i'm like i want to learn more so you've you've sold a business, Johnny. Now, what intrigues you about buying one? Where does that fit into your your goals with wealth creation and also lifestyle? So, selling
0: like when I sold the business, it was because I was in that position where you know I was stressed and I didn't want to deal with it anymore. I didn't have a team to 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 run it to day to uh, day. I wanted the kind of the passive you know income side of it, and. From the buyer's point of view, he looked at it and it was like, Oh, this Johnny's an idiot. This website's not even mobile responsive. You know, so he's losing half his customers. Um, you know, he, there's all these other products that he can add on there. And from my side, I was like, Oh, you know, this, this, you know, this buyer has no idea like how, how much trouble it's going to be to rebuild the whole site onto a, you know, mobile responsive you know um, theme. You know, I had all this custom code in there. I was like, I'm glad I'm walking away. So really it was. You know, two points of view and, and from what I know, the guy's, you know, doubled the business on it now. So not only if he wanted to, can he sell the business now for twice what he purchased it for, but also he's gone all that monthly cash flow for that past couple of years. So when now that I'm on kind of this side, I don't want to start another business. Uh, You know, for the kind of a lot of the reasons why Ace mentioned, it's risky. It takes a lot of time and energy, and we kind of forget that. As as successful, you know, former entrepreneurs, we kind of forget about that grind and the risk of it not working.
1: Got the memory of a goldfish.
0: (laughs) Yeah, really. And but if we can buy a business that we can look at and we can see upside potential, it just makes so much sense. Especially if we can invest through a company like aces where he has a team on board and that's the, the main reason why i, I would do it uh, you know with him and not just buy a business myself is i don't want to deal with it like i don't have the, i don't, I don't want to build a team i don't want to manage a team but if he has a team to run it day to day and he has a team to you know let's say rebuild the website do the marketing then and
1: if i can just kind of be somewhat passive about it i'm, I'm very yeah. happy with that you know what what you described in when you sold the business is what every entrepreneur out there goes through. You know, any, Anyone out there listening that's built a business, whether their aims were to be a billion dollar business or just to create a nice cash flowing business, everyone goes through ups and downs in doing it. And if you can find people when they're in their downs, that's when shrewd businessmen get really, really good opportunities because it's, it's similar to what Ace said in, you wouldn't go out and build a car. Very few people actually build a house, but when people think about business, their first thought is to build it. It it, it's counterintuitive, and if you can find somebody that you know he's he's a proponent of entrepreneurs, he wants entrepreneurship to flourish because they go through that really tough, difficult grind of, you know, two to five years of building something. In most cases, they burn out. Most entrepreneurs never get an offer to sell their business. Most business owners never get an offer to sell their business, and oftentimes, if you come along, you give someone an offer. A lot of times, they're going to take it because people have a change of heart. They have other things they want to do in life. They get sick. They get married. They have kids. They get divorced. Life happens and people want to move on from what they're doing into something new. And that's when shrewd businessmen can get really, really good opportunities.
0: Yeah. And I I definitely agree with that. And I think actually, it's a win-win for both sides because the person who built the business gets a big check. They're happy. They can kind of walk away from it and say... You know, that was a, that was a big part of my life, but you know, now I have this money, I'm, I'm good. You know, I don't, I don't have the stress anymore. But when we come in with the fresh pair of eyes, it's really easy for us not to be so emotionally kind of involved and detached, like attached to things. Mm -hmm. You know, we can come in and be like, Oh, why don't we try this? Why don't we try this? Why don't we try this? While the previous owner, it probably had, had crossed their minds, but they're, but they're like, It's going to be so much work. I don't want to deal with it.
1: And it's not just fresh eyes, Johnny. It's fresh energy. You know, people, get burned out after 3 or 5 years. It takes a lot of energy to continue to grow something, even to grow something 20%. It takes it typically takes a lot uh, of energy and especially if you're adding staff and headcount and you're just you're you're adding more responsibility and I think often entrepreneurs start feeling like the the happiest they ever were in their entrepreneurship was the day that they had the idea to start the business and decided to start it. And then as the business grows, and maybe you have five people on staff, 10 people on staff, all of a sudden it feels like almost like you're building up a prison wall. And I know from talking to a lot of entrepreneurs and my own experience, a lot of times you just want to get out and therein lies the opportunity.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and probably a good analogy for this is imagine you, you've you lived in a house for, you know. Many years, even after three years, you know things start getting cluttered. Like, let's say things start breaking, you know, like and you're like, "crap, this this house is kind of falling apart." And we, you know, the kitchen looks like you know, crap. The plumbing's bad. The toilet smells. And if you're living in that house, it's really hard for you to have the energy or desire to remodel it. But and, and it might just be easier for you to sell it and be like, "Well, I know I could probably make more if I fix things up before I sold it, but I just don't want to deal with it." And it's hard because you're just like you're there. You have all your stuff there. It's cluttered. But imagine being from the buyer's point of view, you know, you see that. You see all this opportunity and this guy moves out. You're you're not attached to anything. So you throw everything away and you're like, all right, let's just knock knock these walls down, knock this down, knock this down, clean it up. All of a sudden, it's worth more money. And it's you're right about the energy where like if you're coming in, you're excited to make changes versus if you're stuck in that situation – it's your baby or you worked so hard for it or you like, you know, you realize how much work it is. Like you, we don't have that drive. We don't have that energy. So it's, it's, it's needed. I think, you know, buying and selling businesses is good for the world and good for the economy.
1: Mm -hmm. What do you think Ace feels on a given day? You know, he's, he's traveling a lot now, Johnny, he's based in Chattanooga, but he's, he's traveling all year round. Imagine him just walking down the street. He's walking by a, a hair salon without signage and he's walking by a, a car wash with hoses laying all around and a mess. He's walking by a pizza place and you can't smell the pizza outside. I bet everything (laughs) – I bet like in his mind, everything he walks by looks like an opportunity. Once you fine-tune that craft and that that, – becoming a master of that trade, I bet it's hard to turn off that mechanism in your brain.
0: Yeah, but I can imagine
1: it's fun as well. Have you ever watched The Prophet with Marcus Limonis? I've seen uh, trailers for it, but I've never watched an episode. Actually, I think I watched like half an episode. On uh, to, you, they did one on cannabis, didn't they? You have to watch full episodes. Mm-hmm. Like like watch the first full
0: like the first season. It's such mm-hmm. a good show, and it's actually directly like correlated with uh, what Ace does. Where you mm-hmm. know this, this Marcus guy goes in, he finds people who have businesses that are you know are, have a lot of revenue, but either don't have a lot of profit, or in debt, or just kind of feeling. And he just goes in, buys half of it, buys 51%, and he says, all right, I'm going to turn this thing around, and then we're just going to run it, you're going to run it, and then we're going to have a, you know, I'm going to have a new income stream. And it's, it's perfect.
1: Yeah. Uh, what do you see often in businesses that you consult with, Johnny, and all the, all the people that have come into your network with some of the online e-com sites? You know, what do you, when you look at their businesses, do you immediately see commonalities in, in where Either they're missing opportunity or, uh, or say their cost structure is, is out of whack.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I would say the easiest thing to get rid of is most people run their businesses, you know, their lives through their, their businesses. And from a tax savings point of view, it makes sense to try to write off as many things as possible. So you're like, Oh, you know, I'm going on, on this, uh, vacation. Let me schedule a meeting there and then write it off as part of the business. But the thing is, what that does is it also makes your profit artificially low on paper, which means when you, when it's time to sell that business, you're going to, you know, you'll have a lower total on that multiple. So one really easy thing is when, whenever you see someone who's kind of like a solopreneur or like a small business owner and you see that they're, they're putting like, they're, like there's a ton of Amazon orders on, you know, on their, their P and L sheets or tons of like, tra- you know, like, you know, kind of unnecessary travel. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to go in there and be like, okay, you know, that's great that they did this because it makes the price lower and all I have to do is for the next year just not do any of that stuff anymore. Just have the business be super lean and all of a sudden you have so much more profit in the business which means the, the business is now worth so much more.
1: Yeah. I, what I see commonly especially back in the USA is just people's cost structures are so far out of line because they're, they've never done any type of outsourcing and they haven't been abroad, so they don't know what people are willing to work for and put in, you know, 10 hours a day and, and have the same talent as people that are here sitting in, a, in an office. And I go in and I'm like, you're paying this person, what, $9,000 to do web design? You're paying this person, what, eight grand to do data entry? And I'm just like, wow, like I, I look at their P&L, I'm like, wow, you could, you could so easily just cut half your expenses and this thing would be just generating so much cash. You can't imagine, but they don't have that perspective because they've never done it. So their eyes aren't open to really how easy of a, you know, change that that can be in a business.
0: Yeah, I can I definitely see that. Or even just you know ha- having software to automate a lot of those tasks. You know, I think right. like Americans, we're paid way too much. Like it's it's mm-hmm. ridiculous that a minute, like you know, a starting salary might be thirty six thousand dollars a year for you know working in like some some office job. And that's a lot of money. You know, you're paying someone three grand a month to just sit there and do something that a VA can do for four hundred bucks a month. That's insane.
1: Yeah the the average salary I saw this on TV yesterday. Average salary in Charlotte eighty two thousand dollars a year. And I'm like, the biggest paycheck I've ever collected in my entire life was for thirty two hundred, so about you know thirty six grand a year. I've made more than that on a monthly basis in big chunks, but I'm just like, I can't believe they're paying people. Are, all these people are making this much money a month. Like, That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to pay people, uh, especially if you have a small business.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I, th- I think there's so much opportunity out there. This is something I'm, I'm really excited about. I, I don't know specifically how it works, but I looked through the site. It basically looks like um, what we, we would do if we wanted to invest is we would, you know, uh, I think we would put f- 75% of the money down. Ace mm-hmm. and his company puts 25%. So they're in the deal with you. They have money in the deal, which I like because they're involved. I think they run it, but you you help. And that's the only thing I'm kind of unsure about. But maybe that's also kind of depends on the person and, and their skills. But the way that they get paid is when you sell the business, you get paid back first, which is nice, and you get back all the money you, you invested. But on the upside they spend it 50-50. So he's counting on being able to grow the businesses to be, be much more valuable. So now he can turn his 25% investment into a 50% on the upside,
1: which I would happily pay him because, you know, especially if his team is doing the work. Interests are aligned. Well, John, if you want to go 50-50 in on one, uh, I'm happy to do so. I think this would be an interesting interesting asset to have in the portfolio and also interesting just experience to to go through.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I think it's exciting. Uh and it's best of all, it's non correlated with the stock market. So it's 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 pretty much non correlated with the real estate market or or anything, as long as it's a it's a business that people continue to, you know, purchase products in, even if there's a recession. Uh it's not for accredited investors, so you can just be you know, you can you don't have to be accredited, which is nice for for a lot of the listeners. And it's just Kind of, I don't know. It's it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, my buddy Chris, he just bought a kombucha business.
1: Ooh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, he was actually doing the deal while he was at the Invest Like a Boss Summit, and mm-hmm. it finally went through. And it's exciting. Like it's it's fun to talk about, right? Like when he meets people and they're like, "Oh, yeah.
1: like what do you do?" He's like, "Oh, I own a kombucha business." And they're like, "Oh, that is cool." They're making all types of recipes out of kombucha now: kombucha beer, kombucha spirits, kombucha cider.
0: Yeah. So I think it's I think that's cool. So who knows? We might be the the owners of a the next, you know, a kombucha <laughs> tanning salon or
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. Yeah. It's great. But but I do so think you guys want to take...
0: go I I'll, I'll say I do think that most of his businesses now are just completely online businesses. Um they're, they're not publicly listed, but if you guys want to check it out, his sites are acechapman.com and also incomeacquisitions.com. Uh but Personally, you know, I'm excited just to to dive a bit deeper into it, and I obviously, we'll, we'll update you guys if we end up actually investing in anything. But it's something that, that I, I want to explore.
1: Absolutely, I really enjoyed talking to Ace. Ace, thanks for coming on the show, Johnny. It's going to be a month before we record again. By that time, I'll be in Asia. Wish me luck uh, going across the Siberian winter.
0: Good luck, Sam. I, th- I think you're going to be okay. Um, just remember to say yahachu <laughs> vodka. <laughs> <That means laughs> Send me some reminders. Like a, uh,
1: I I'll be in. I'll be in Russia. I'll be in Moscow November eighth. Uh, just in case there's any li- listeners there that want to meet up, there'll be uh, a few people, including Kevin Shea, uh, who's been on the podcast a couple times there with me. Uh, and we'd love to. We'd love to enjoy your country, and we plan to. So
0: yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, so thanks again uh, for everyone for listening, and also to our sponsor this week, Masterworks.io. And thank you for leaving all these great five-star reviews, everyone. Uh, We have this week Coast Guard Chris, who says, why invest five stars? Johnny and Sam are excellent hosts. They articulate what I have felt about investing for years. It's allowed me the freedom to travel around the U.S. volunteering as a Coast Guard auxiliary officer, as well as abroad, without feeling the pressure to make A paycheck constantly. I have learned so much from Invest Like a Boss. It is my favorite podcast to listen to while traveling. I have gotten odd looks when I suddenly laugh out loud in an airport or dash for a pen and paper when I want to take some notes. Keep up the great work. Thanks, uh, Chris. And thanks for all of you guys for leaving these great reviews. Uh, Make sure you go on iTunes, type in Invest Like a Boss, leave us a five star, give us some comments, tell us your story, and tell your friends. Screenshot. Uh, this episode if you liked it forward it to friend you know ask them what they think or
1: you know tell them say hey you might enjoy this johnny your reading is getting better have you been practicing (laughs) you know what i have been practicing my reading (laughs) good man as we should all all
0: right take care guys and uh, sam enjoy your trip and i'll see you back stateside
1: adios amigo all right buddy
0: see you guys Thanks for listening to the Best Like Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at bestlikeaboss.com to
1: get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.